Welcome to At The Table. Thank you for tuning into this latest episode of At The Table. Um, today we are journeying through the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is a parable in the New Testament. And um, I'm joined today by the usual bunch of Beth, Joe and Lucy. And um, yeah, we hope you get something from this particular episode. And we absolutely love this this story, so we can't wait to get started. Um, guys, what do you remember from this particular story? Um, I remember the little guy who turned up so I haven't I haven't reread this today, so I'm probably going to find out this is a load of nonsense. But um, I I remember that I think he's like a young boy, and he brings his lunch, and basically somehow that feeds the entire crowd. Um, I think poor guy because he has to like hand over his lunch, and like is the only one who's bothered to do any preparation for this day out. Yeah, why did no one else bring food? That's what I can't remember. It does seem a bit mad. There's 5,000 people and only one of them bothered to think about having a little pat lunch. Also, if that was happening today, there would definitely be like like hundreds of like side stalls and burger vans and hot dog vans. <laughs> like They would be absolutely milking it, I reckon. Sorry. Lucy, what do you remember from this particular story? I remember like... The really distinctive shape of the bread. Do you what? know what I mean? Oh. It's like a semi-baguette. No. A semi-baguette? A, oh, like a not, dinner roll? No, like a baguette. Well, not roll. Oh, I, I always pictured the little dinner rolls. Oh, no, I always pictured it as The ones like, you get in like, the harvest, though, those ones. That's what I always pictured. <laughs> and do you know what? This is really weird. I accidentally made those exact loaves yesterday. Didn't I? Oh, I accidentally baked some bread. Ridiculous. As in, I made them that shape for the first time ever, and now we're talking about it, and I'm like, oh, hang on, that's the exact shape that I always picture the bread to be in this story. Isn't that weird? That is weird. We'll put a picture of those um, breads on our Instagram. Oh. Yeah, do it. Um, I, do, I remember the plate. I, I remember, like, you used to just cut out something, and you used to, like, draw, like, the fish. And because I couldn't really draw, I just used to do like the Christian fish, you know, where you do like one line and it's just like, yeah. you'd do like, it's like the tail, yeah. end of the tail. Always do that fish. And then you'd always like write something like like that song. You'd always write something like, I give my all to you, Lord. Um, I remember doing that. And you just used the to only problem with that, um, that technique for drawing the fish is if it was a real fish, it would just break off, wouldn't it? Because there's like nothing there at that point. Right, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double weed. Nah, <laughs> Is it not really weird to just take a whole fish on a picnic? Like, had you not prepared it or finished well, it, might be it beforehand? Sardines or, or something in a little can. Maybe you had a tin of sardines, yeah, with yeah. some tomato sauce. Like, yeah, <laughs> could have been tuna, couldn't it? I don't know. How did they preserve they didn't have it? Tins then, did no, they? a little can of tuna. No, that's it was what a I reckon. Whole fish. Or like one of those little. Small boy was expected to. It might have been one of those little plastic shrimp wrapped, shrink wrapped things. It must have stunk, must it? Because like it was out in the heat. <laughs> like he's been probably walking for a couple of hours. Like, come on. Yeah, where do you think he was right? storing it? Because he didn't oh. have a cool bag. That's <laughs> yeah, he's having a school bag. <laughs> he's got none of that. Like, what's, how would he? How would he done that? So, 
Maybe it was Should we read it and find out? Exactly. So, who's got the John's account? Well, John, I have John's account. Thank you, John. Joe. So this is John chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 15. And it's subtitled, Bread and Fish for All. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about five thousand of them. Then Jesus took the bread and, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled twelve large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realised that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, This is the prophet for sure, God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm... They were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and went back up the mountain to be by himself. (laughs) (laughs) I do love how the the message just kind of like, and he just slipped off. (laughs) Like (laughs) The language cracks me up. (laughs) Thanks for that, Joe. No problem, John. (laughs) It's going to be a running joke on this series, I think. (laughs) Now I'm going to read the version that we find in Matthew 14 which is much shorter, so it's from verse 13. When Jesus got the news, he slipped away by boat to an out-of-the-way place by himself, but unsuccessfully. Someone saw him, and the word got around. Soon, a lot of people from the nearby villages walked around the lake to where he was. When he saw them coming, he was overcome with pity and healed their sick. Toward evening, the disciples approached him. We're out in the country, and it's getting late. Dismiss the people so they can go to the villages and get some supper. But Jesus said, There is no need to dismiss them. You give them supper. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fish, they said. Jesus said, Bring them here. Then he had the people sit on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. The disciples then gave the food to the congregation. They all ate their fill. They gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 were fed. Thank you. <laughs> That's what Joe thinks of it. <laughs> oh. So uh, what stood out in that verse for you then, Beth? Why me? Well, there's quite a bit, isn't there? <laughs> yep. So join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it a bit odd how they've... It's in all four Gospels, but the way they all tell it is just so different so different not in the sense that the content's different but it's just that 
obviously the Matthew one is just so much more condensed. Obviously, I mean, obviously it's all important, but I think in the Matthew verse it stands out to me that Jesus was trying to trying to have some quiet time, <laughs> and people weren't <laughs> having it. And I guess it speaks of the height of his. I don't like using the word popularity, but he was clearly becoming well known by now. That yeah. people were he were drawing he was drawing large crowds, and I think it's the John passage. Is it John the John passage that mentions about it being Passover? Yeah. So I don't know if they were travelling because of the. I'm guessing they were travelling because it was Passover. So that's the festival um, of Passover where they celebrate when Jesus passed over their houses in during the time when they're in Egypt. You know the plagues mm. and Christ passed over them. That's the celebration of that when they were spared from the death and from the plagues. Yeah. So, they were. I'm guessing they were gathering for that, which is why there were so many people. Yeah, because I was trying to imagine 5,000 people. That's huge, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But noted, so in the Matthew Gospel, so the Greek translation for like the large crowd or something like that, um, I can't find the particular word, but when they describe the people, the Greek translation is specifically male. So many biblical scholars actually believe that Obviously, they only recorded the men, that being 5,000 men. So they actually predict that there was probably close to ten to 20,000 people. Because another translation, I think it's men and then besides women and children. So it's 5,000 yeah. besides them. So Gosh. If you, it's, the number is just staggering. It's like a football stadium then, isn't it? It's like, if, it's like a, if Metallica or someone doing a thing in like Wembley Stadium, wouldn't it? It would be like you've yeah. got... <laughs> All those thousands of people just sitting on a hilltop. Yeah, that'd be quite a, a quite a scene, wouldn't it? Mm. It's quite hard for me to imagine it. Mm. If it was Passover, is that something that the women and children would have gone to, though? Yeah. Yeah. They would have travelled as families. I was only going to say, as someone who's quite thick when it comes to this sort of stuff, so why, why do they travel on Passover? They're probably going to just try to go to families. Jerusalem or Israel. Yeah, potentially, okay. yeah. It's like so, us at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. so it was a kind of a, a social element to it as well, do you, do you Yeah, they would just genuinely, they probably might try and head to Jerusalem because that would be where it would be at. Right. But it's like, I remember at this time, most people from a, from a, an area were one, with one religion, so you, most people would want to gather at Jerusalem because it'd be kind of like the centre, the epitome of the Passover and celebration and stuff like that so I think you're right that it kind of shows how well known he's becoming and it because in the in the passage I read out it says a huge crowd followed him attracted by the miracles they had seen him do Mm. so it's it's like it's like any kind of modern popular thing of a popular person or whatever people are attracted by the idea of seeing them in the flesh and um, kind of being a part of that kind of hysteria mm. but he did draw that towards the end of his life didn't he he did bring in yeah. if you think about like Palm Sunday the crowds that yeah this was probably the moment that he began to gain such momentum with like you know the saviour the one who was going to free them from Roman oppression and also the fact that he was performing he was healing people that was massively attractive to people mm. But I like in the in the Matthew Gospel that 
he was supposed to be withdrawing privately to a solitary place. He was intending to go and have this quiet time, yet he still went out. He still went to the crowds. He still performed the miracles, healing. And I think that really speaks of his, of Jesus' compassion. You know, I think if we were like if we had a day off, if somebody came to us for work, you'd be like, no, this is my quiet time. This is my my time off. I'm not doing any work. But yet for Jesus, he's, you know, he doesn't see that. He was going, he's intending to go off. But yet he still went to that large crowd and it says he had compassion and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Well, that's what stood out to me in that, um in Matthew 14, it says um, that Jesus's response to the idea that they would go away to get food was, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So it's like mm. he, he doesn't want anything to prevent him connecting with those people. So there's a practical need of them needing to eat, but he, he does whatever he can to stop that coming between him and them. In the uh, message translation that I read, they use the word dismiss. So the disciples say, dismiss the people so they can go to the villages and get some supper. And Jesus says, there is no need to dismiss them. And that's such a formal way of thinking about it, isn't it? Like, mm. they need to be here. I can't, like, let them go sort of thing. Well, yeah. dismiss as well seems quite final to me. I know it doesn't always mm. need to mean that, but it's almost like he thinks if they go, they're not going to come back. And I don't want that to happen. Mm. <clears throat> He doesn't need to do it because it says that they're all from nearby villages. So they've all walked mm. there to see him, which is actually, I'm a bit confused. So if you're saying they're travelling on Passover, the Matthew message translation says that word got round and people from the local villages came to see him. So they weren't doing anything Passover-y particularly. Mm. They came specifically to see him. But anyway, my point was that they didn't come from very far away, so he could have just mm. sent them home. He didn't have to feed them. It wasn't like they were stranded in a desert or something. Yeah. I think that there's there's a bigger picture to it as well. In my, the way my head's working it out is almost like Jesus doesn't want them to go unfed in the sense of the word as well. Like I think there's a like the way I look at it is like Jesus is saying I'm not done teaching yet, and almost like there's I've still got other things to teach you. So if they would dismiss them because they were you know they haven't got any food, so see you later, he wouldn't be able to show the true power of God and the, sh- the true power of the, of the Son of God as well. So I think there's a part of Jesus that's like, if I if I keep you here, you will see the glory of what God can do in your life. That's what I got from that bit. But the, the other bit that stood out for me, which is the human way that the disciples um, kind of answer Jesus. So when... Um, Philip says, oh, 200 silver pieces wouldn't even be enough to buy bread and each person to get a piece. And even when you've got Simon Peter at the time sort of saying, well, there's this little boy here who's got loads of, like, got a couple of fish and sort of saying, like, this wouldn't be enough. Like, even those that travel with Jesus still don't know what Jesus can do. <laughs> like, they kind of I think it's, it's interesting that he still mentions that because... For me, I would like dismiss that completely. I wouldn't even bother mentioning it to Jesus because it is cl- it's clearly so ridiculous on a human level. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like um, it's like you coming to me, John, and saying, "God, my house is flooded. It's going to take five thousand pounds to fix it." And I go, 
oh, I've got 20p, but that's not going to be enough. It's like, yeah. why even bother to mention it? It's so ridiculous. It's like almost false hope, isn't it? Like, I've got some money. I've got 20p. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I do find it's just a, it is just a funny way that the like those that travelled with Jesus just don't kind of get it. <laughs> you'd think they all they've seen. You'd think they'd say, "Oh, Jesus, can you not can you not bless us with a, a feast?" Kind of thing. Yeah, I think it speaks of how he approached it as if it was on him. Like he was like, "We don't have enough money," but he wasn't. I don't think he was. He was collectively meaning the we, but I think. It really speaks of like when we when a situation happens. Philip is an example of people that approach it as if it depended on his own work. You know, he's got to find the money to do that. But but what this story shows us is that Jesus bypasses all of that. Jesus is the reason. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need that. Jesus surpasses that and is able to do immeasurably more. And in my notes next to that I've got highlight I've got a verse highlighted that's probably one of my favourite verses actually from Zechariah four verse six that says, It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And obviously there's that really nice song that's based on that as well. Um that it's not of our own efforts, like when things are difficult, it's not of the own effort, it's of God, like he's the only one that can do anything and Philip's like what, what I can't do anything and God's like we well, don't need to I'm going to do it mm. like, it's my job this is my this is my provision it's almost that reminder to the disciples really yeah I liked um, in the message paraphrase in verse uh, 10 I think it is it says there was a nice carpet of green grass in this place um, they sat down about 5,000 of them I liked that it's almost like he's already He's already done this miracle about um, feeding them with food, but he's also thinking about their comfort and like find them a nice place to sit. I quite liked that holistic approach. Um, mm. I don't know if that's the intention there, but it, I I like how it's so all encompassing. No, but I think I think that is absolutely. It. I think it's also, you know, how there's that saying about when Jesus, when you, if you want five pounds, Jesus off. Not not five pounds. This is I'm not. This is not a direct quote. But how when we ask for something, Jesus can give us that and more. Sometimes, and I feel like he gives us the things we don't even realise we need. Or, but yeah, I think you know in that situation, he didn't need to give them the space. He could have formed a queue and they could have taken the food and gone home. But instead, he created a space for them to sit and eat together and sharing community. Mm, I think it's the hospitality of God, isn't it? Mm. That comes through. It's the use of creation to to comfort isn't it like the like you say like the carpet like paints a picture doesn't it that you can oh, yeah because you automatically think of that the middle east of being sandy and kind of stony but actually there must well there was there was these mounts of kind of luscious green and you can um, i mean we were watching a a doc- documentary on Netflix the other day um, from Egypt and I said to Beth I was amazed at how much green there was in this thing like it was all this sand around the the pyramids and all of a sudden it was just green like it was just like these luscious green fields and um, it just paints that picture of like Jesus with all these thousands of people just sitting on this green comfortable grass well almost like a you know having a picnic basically um yeah, it's just a really nice image to see. Mm. Yeah. 
And here's something. Do you know what's happened just before this? Cool. John the Baptist has just been killed. And they've just got his headless body back. Oh. So that's why Jesus was supposed to be having some time on his own. Because one of his good friends and a cousin, is that right? Cousin. Yeah. Has just been murdered by Herod. I don't know which Herod. <coughs> there are a few, aren't there? Not the Christmas Herod. Not that Herod. That's his son, isn't it? Either way. Probably. John the Baptist has just been murdered and his body been sent back to his friends. And this is what Jesus does on the same day, basically. Mm. Yeah. I Isn't mean, crazy? if it was me, I'd probably want like quite a few days on my own. Yeah, and, like, you'd think some compassionate leave. And... Yeah, <laughs> compassionate yeah. leave. But again, doesn't that speak? It, oh, sorry. No, you go. And then after it is the story of walking on the water. Mm. Mm. So basically the night after this story. And I feel like we always see these stories really separately, don't we? We're like, oh, so one day he did this and then another day he did this. But actually, if when you read the whole thing through, he does all these things so quickly and there's... There's just so much in his life that he does, and I don't think we realise the timelines of it properly. Mm. I think that's something that I've always, whenever I've read the the next part of the story, like the the whole um, you know walking on water, is how it goes from this kind of massive miracle to almost like a storm. So like you you, mm. you think about it in the sense of that comfortable like carpet of green, like these people have been given comfort, they've been given food, like it's a miracle in that sense, and then literally only probably a few minutes to an hour a few hours later the disciples are found in a storm and having to find 4am mine says 4am there you go mm. so it's like so you know so much like of a, um, so different of a, a scenario that they've got to face but it still shows the the power and grace of God um, but I, I was going to mention something else that stood out to me when I was just listening to you is the the little boy like I think he's almost like the hidden character in this like we just sort of think about his food but we sort of forget about the boy like how what was his mindset <laughs> was he like, like all the bullies are trying to take his lunch money and kind of like this is mine or was he really open to them just taking the food that's what I automatically think of like was he just like yeah go on in or was he like no it's not going to work my, my poor little lunch and my mum's packed me <laughs> you get what I mean? He's not even in the Matthew version. No. Just I noticed that when I was reading, he's not in there. I wonder if he's in the other two Gospels. It's interesting to see who thinks that he was important or not. Yeah. Because the Matthew version just says that the, the, the disciples said, all we have are five loaves of bread and two fish. They don't say where they acquired these bread mm. and fish from. So. Don't you think it's interesting that it says there were 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. Yeah, and that's in mine as well. Very specific, isn't it? Why did Jesus get it wrong? <laughs> in the <laughs> sense of, like, you know, he's already multiplied this food by however much. You know, you would think he could probably get it bang on if he wanted to, which makes me think that he he was showing something there. He was showing there was more than enough. Yeah. There's more oh. than sufficient. I wonder if um, it's, no uh, no one was going to go hungry. No one, no one was having to scrimp a little bit just to get mm. through the meal. Like there was plenty and more than enough. So the boy isn't mentioned in any of the other gospels. Oh, okay. So just John. But we know he does like particular things, John. He does like to. He doesn't give what the other gospels give. He normally gives the. And if you and to me that does feel like a really John thing. 
I think we all remembered it quite well then, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> I still find it hard to picture though. Even that thing about the grass has thrown me a little bit because yeah, so. I think I always picture like a dusty, a dusty valley or something. Yeah. And like, um, I've, I, I guess the dusty thing probably comes from like you said, John, the Middle Eastern location, but also mm-hmm. a sense of hunger. I think. Um, so that's challenged me a bit, but I just think the scale of it, and you know, the a lunch that is probably smaller than what I had for lunch today ended up feeding like the O2. Like, can't get my head around it. But I like the idea that, um, as I as I mentioned, that we don't need to worry about this stuff, and that God kind of has it in hand. And even even on the day when he was performing this miracle. He kind of he kind of took care of that. He didn't make a big show of it, and a lot of people wouldn't have realised it was happening. Um, and when I think of my own life, and when I have moments of need and moments of worry, it's quite reassuring to think that um, I don't need to worry about the how. I don't need to worry about the moment that things change or anything like that. I just know that um, God's kind of got my back in that sense. Quite a good lesson, I think. I've been um, reflecting a little bit lately that I feel like whenever I, and this is not to sound big-headed or arrogant, but whenever I have a moment in my life where I have a choice of whether to be generous or not and whether to make a sacrifice or not, whether that's kind of giving financially or giving up my time or anything like that, I've just had this realisation lately that I always seem to get it back you know, a hundred times, um, and I, I've realised that, you know, it's just such a, such a great way to live your life is to just kind of put others first, and you always receive a blessing that's so many times more than that. And I think the story <laughs> kind of compounds that a little bit and shows that, you know, that that guy gave up his lunch and he probably ended up having a better lunch than he ever expected to. He probably had far more than. Mm-hmm. he took out with him that day um, mm-hmm. and I think you should never kind of be generous because you think you'll get something back but I feel like it's just a further reminder that God God sees it and he honours it and by mm-hmm. that I mean you know you never come up short when you're when you live your life in that way well thanks Joe I think that's a great place to finish um, this episode I hope you've um, well we hope <laughs> that you've had a had fun listening to this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for journeying with us through this particular story, this Sunday classic, uh, Sunday school classic um, of the feeding of the 5,000. We hope you got something from it. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. So uh, please get in touch, drop us a message or follow us on Instagram, Facebook or or Twitter. Just get in touch and we'd love to hear your, your thoughts and maybe get in touch and let us know what stood out to you. Let Maybe let us know what what might have been something that kind of stood out to you that you never noticed before, or maybe you're new to to this podcast. Great to great to have you along, but also maybe you're you're new to reading the Bible, and maybe you've noticed something that you never thought you would do in the Bible. Please let us know. Um, but thanks for tuning in, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Bye. Mm-hmm.